Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I know it's a group of people that sit around in a circle and eat, and I think they meet monthly. Yeah, you're going to do great there, Jonathan. All right, friends, you know what time it is. It's time for the December... Get ready for some awesome! What was, was that your Star Wars voice? What, oh, was, what was that? No, it was my Australian <laughs> version. <laughs> oh, that's Australian, huh? That's, that's really good. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I bet you could do better. Yeah, I could, mate. I'm. Did I? Was I stepping on some toes there? Yes, that's offensive. We try to do good Australian <laughs> accents here on the podcast. It is offensive in so many ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> I cannot believe that. I just. I want to. I want to start with this. I think I want to end with it and pepper it through <laughs> the entire wrap up. I cannot believe that when you were a freshman in college for several months, you pretended to be Australian. I. I feel like that might be a bit exaggerated. I feel like to one person, I might have spoken with an Australian accent. I want to put a shout out to all the people who went to college with Luke out there. If there's anyone else who was accosted by Luke, Australian Luke, (laughs) freshman year, then I would love for you to step forward. What? Maybe form a support group with Jessica. What, What is so offensive about that? Who hasn't used one... Great accent, just to uh, help liven a, a friendship. What's the big? De- I don't understand why you're so upset by that. So I don't think that's what it was. I think she th- thought. Okay, first off, I assume that there was a level of attraction that you had towards her. Oh my sure. goodness! Weird way. Oh my life. goodness! That just got awkward. <laughs> there, uh, she is a church member now, isn't she? Yes, that's. The- so you're freshman. Hey, it's okay. You're a freshman. You don't know any better. You're just trying to. Flirt, and you think, you know okay. what? I bet wow. if I was Australian, I would be a lot better. I'd have a lot better shot. Now, Jonathan, if you want to get into the business of comparing my game when I was single <laughs> versus your game when you were single, we could do that. I feel like we could devote an entire month of podcasts just to that alone. <laughs> no, I think I would come out in the short end of the stick on that. But, Homeschool flirting was not... M- most sticks you're short on, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so I feel like I use an accent, and I don't think it's a big deal. So, okay, but we did just scoot right over that being like, that was your flirting. That was that not was flirting. flirting. It was not flirting okay, at all. I just wanted to make sure. No, that, that was not flirting. Okay, <laughs> what do you want for Christmas, man? What, do you, what are you wanting for Christmas? What do you... Santa brings you. Um, um, okay, a few things. One, I'm not sure if you really believe that Santa still exists. There's part of me that thinks you still actually believe Santa comes down, drops presents in your living room, but really... It, Look, all I'm saying is that my parents couldn't have afforded those presents. <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> does Leslie still tell you that Santa brings you presents and she really puts presents under the tree when you go to sleep? Um, who eats the cookies and milk, Luke? <laughs> okay, can I tell you a story? Um, earlier this week, I was uh, putting my oldest daughter to bed. She's eight. And I said, okay, let's pray. And uh, she goes, I always have a hard time praying. Because it's like, 
I pray, but God never answers me. Like, I never hear God talk back to me when I pray, so why do I pray? And she goes, I hear you say all the time that God answers prayers in your sermons. And I said, first of all, when did I say that? Um, she goes, when the other... Yeah, she does. <laughs> I, I said, second of all... Some... Put an extra hundred in that offering play, and he'll really answer yeah, it. Was yeah, her. and then, so I said, well, I think God, you know, answers prayers in different ways. Sometimes the way is, you know, God changes you, and she goes, well is God real? And I go, well, yes, God's real. And she goes, is God like Santa Claus? And I go, well, this is a faith crisis. <laughs> and I go, no, no, God is not uh, like Santa. That's, that's completely different. She goes, oh, well, is Santa Claus real? <laughs> she just worked you into a corner, I was man. completely trapped. I was completely trapped because I, <laughs> I was stuck. And um, yeah, so that happened. Hey, Samuel, can you go out of the room for just a second? <laughs> Yeah, that's my six-year-old. He's in the office with me. Oh, so um, when I was in high school, I, I was about to preach. I was eighteen years old. It's a person church I grew up in, and Brother Foy, my eleven-year-old niece, was there with a guest. So I told you this story before. Uh, uh-uh. Brother Foy, the crazy guy who took out a loan for me to go to college, um, but he was crazy, crazy for Jesus, but legitimately crazy. He, uh, it was Christmas, like Christmas Eve or the 22nd or 3rd, and he stands up to introduce me, even though I'm the only person there that knows everybody, but he always did it. And he goes, oh, yes, Christmas is upon us. I remember when I was a child, my parents told me there was a man named Santa Claus. And we were like, where is this going? Because there's two 11, 10, 10, 11-year-old girls there. Mm-hmm. And he goes, then I came downstairs one Christmas Eve and saw, guess what? Little children, my parents putting those presents under the tree. And then he goes, there is no Santa Claus. <laughs> Brother Jonathan, come preach the word. Oh, and wow. that was the introduction that I got for mm. that was little it's, kids crying when I started my sermon. Oh, okay, Samuel, you can come back in, buddy. That really just happened where you, you told your son to leave because you would. How many, what do you think would happen? from the parents of the Highland Church if uh, next Sunday when I'm out there preaching going, hope you guys had a great Christmas, hope Santa brought, just kidding, Santa's not real, kids. How many emails do you think you would get for that? You know, when I invited you to preach on New Year's Day, I knew there was a lot of different train wreck scenarios that could happen, (laughs) so I would see that being one of the lesser ones. Oh, okay. Um, So I could do that is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, it would be, it would be... Uh, one of the lesser versions of the destruction you could cause. Okay, well, I'll work on that. What are your New Year's resolutions? I don't. I don't have. Hold on, I've made a list of suggestions. <laughs> one: stop appropriating Australian culture for your own personal gain. <laughs> it, it's art, mate. It's just art. <laughs> uh, then number two will fit nicely. You should wear some shirts and pants with breathing room. That would be great. Okay. Any more? Uh, there's there's a lot more, but okay. this is only a wrap up podcast. So okay, well, we'll I'll, take those offline. I'll I'll consider that. Thank you, thank you for <laughs> you're that. Welcome. Uh, you're welcome. You're so kind. You're so kind. Um, I feel like I've been rude. Uh, I didn't ask you what you asked Santa Claus for Christmas this year. Would you like to share? <laughs> we're we're <laughs> minimalist, man. So what I would really like is less. I don't believe that at all. I have 100% no, uh, certainty that you go all, all out on gifts for yourself at Christmas. Because <laughs> I know this. Because I've heard stories about this. Zane? Um, 
Samuel, could you close that door? The um, I I one time okay there got, it is. I one time bought my wife a computer briefcase. Did you hear this story for real? Is that what you're thinking? Didn't did, didn't this happen when we were working together at the Hills? Did it? Okay, yeah. So I bought Leslie a uh, computer laptop, um, like really nice leather briefcase for Christmas. And um, she didn't have a laptop. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> She's never let me live that down, ever. Oh, that was... <laughs> but the genius of it is, like, there's no way I could have bought that for myself. Because let's say it would have been like, hey, we're on a budget. You bought a present <laughs> for yourself, wrapped it, gave it to her, and then took it right back. Oh well, I mean, she had nothing for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, that um, that's really good. Once for <laughs> I can't believe you remember that. I, I don't think I could forget that. I mean, one <clears throat> yeah, one time for I think Lindsay's birthday, uh, we went shopping. I said, okay, we'll take you shopping, and and somehow uh, a sweatshirt was purchased. And so from then on out, it was like, all right, Luke, are you gonna give me another sweatshirt this year for my birthday? And that's always like a. a a, a black mark on my giving of gifts, but compared to you, like that's a good gift because at least you could oh, wear yeah. the sweatshirt. Yeah, if if our spouse is graded on a curve, you would be doing well. Yep. Again, <clears throat> coming up short. All right. Uh, speaking of things that didn't come up short, let's talk about the podcast this month. <laughs> love your segues, man. Do you? I love your segues. Yeah. I feel like. Well, I mean, love is a strong word for what I feel towards them. Thank you. But, uh, um, yeah, so it was a good month. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so we've got, um, we've got, uh, Reconstruction. We're going to talk about that one with, uh, BZ and then we've got, and, and Paul. And then we've got a couple podcasts on the refugee crisis. And then we had the, uh, most recent one, which was, uh, the sermon actually that I did with old Richard Beck. The most recent one, which we I have not heard yet because it is before Christmas that we are recording this. Thank you for destroying the third wall of the world of podcasting, so thank you You're for welcome. that. But you know what? I know and love Richard, and I'm sure 50% of that is going to be amazing. Hmm, that's hurtful. 50% of that sermon is going to be really good. I mean, that's, again, punching up, punching up. <laughs> call you punching up, storm it. All right, let's jump. No, actually, you call me Johnny Storm, and you started that nickname. That's a good nickname. So makes sense. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. What What about Nuke Lorsworthy? That's not even fun. What about that for a nickname? Nuke Lorsworthy. All right, that's that's not even what I did with your name. That would be like but if I called you I think it's Sonny Jordan. Clever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that doesn't. It's not even funny. Okay, let's do the uh, talk about the subject of reconstruction, which is a. Wouldn't you say that's like a major theme of the podcast? Like it comes up all the time, mm-hmm. the idea of all the time. deconstruction, reconstruction, uh, how do you move past it? Do you think that someone has to go through deconstruction? I mean, obviously, that's probably the, uh, the touch point that kind of brings a lot of people together for the podcast. Um, but I was thinking about this because I was talking to um, a baby preacher, just a, a, a youth, and uh, thinking of, okay... How do you? How would you help construct the faith of a young person so that they don't have to go through deconstruction if it's possible? 
or is Deke? You know, yeah, I don't know if it. I don't know if um, if that's a that's a possible thing. I, I, I mean, I think there's a, a way um, of having a faith. That, I, I think there's a way of going through life, and your faith doesn't get so much deconstructed. It doesn't, and now it changes. Yeah, but it doesn't. You know, I think deconstruction, the kind of stuff that we're normally talking about, I mean, we're coming at it from seminary, man. So let's be honest, like, we are, uh, <clears throat> the foundations that we had built our faith on got, like, tugged out from underneath us mm-hmm. at some point. But if you were able, if, if you had been taught the same stuff you learned in seminary growing up in accessible ways for a young person, you wouldn't have to go through sort of the intellectual reconstruction like bz like his story is he, you know he basically had his own little seminary that he he jumped into when he was you know i don't know 15 20 years into ministry and what if he would have learned that growing up the whole time and so he wouldn't have yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah you know i don't know i mean i i think i think that um it's always going to be a little bit of deconstruction if you're if you're um if you're trying to pursue God, because God, if if you know, if you know God, then what you know is not God, right? Explain that. Then, well, I mean, like, uh, I don't mean no relationally, but if you feel like you've understood God, that's Augustine. If you've understood God, then what you've understood is not God. Mm-hmm. And so, um, to know to know God is to know you don't know very much about God at all. And yeah. so, the more you get into it, and the, um, but there are people who. Um, and I don't mean that in, in a way that makes it sound like if you haven't had a deconstructing or a faith crisis or some kind, then, then your faith is inferior. Because I actually am thinking of some people who have, you know, like Paul actually says that some people have the gift of faith. And I think there are some people who um, um, don't, don't necessarily doubt as much as others. Yeah. And so they're, they might change what they believe. Through, you know they might they would call it more growing yeah. than they would um, deconstructing. Yeah, I think that's legitimate. Yeah, <clears throat> I think of my wife. I mean, she's very much like that. She's grown a lot. She's changed her mind a lot, but there was never, um, never what we're talking about really going on in her heart. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I do think that that suffering and you know loss of control. Those those things perpetuate growth, but they don't have to perpetuate like deconstruction. Often they go hand in hand, and I think that's a theme for a lot of people. But yeah, you can if you if you can. I think if you're getting if you're having to deal with it, then push through it because if you can, there does take it does take a little bit of um, bravery to think the question and, and pursue it. What if I'm wrong? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, which is this point on Nicodemus? Which is one of what I thought. Brian Zahn's great greatest points was was because you know I'm preaching the Gospel of John right now. I just pre- preached to Nicodemus, and I never really thought about it like that. Like he's just got he's you know tenured. Mm-hmm. He's got the book contracts. He's a big deal, but there's something about Jesus that makes him at least consider the possibility that all of what I've got, it's worth risking. To be able to learn more from him, yeah, I I really like that take on Nicodemus. Yeah, I I never heard that before, but I will definitely be uh, ripping that off at some point in the future. <laughs> Very compelling. Yeah. When uh, 
when he when Brian was talking about his deconstruction, he's basically doing it alone. I mean, he's got he developed some long distance friendships, and he's got some books of people who are walking him through um, by the works that they've done. But that seems to be one of the big issues for a lot of people is the sense that they feel alone in the journey, right? Yeah. Have you, do you do you get that? Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm going out to do uh, a thing with uh, Trip Fuller. Uh, next week and you know one of the things that he's found in the people who want to show up to this is that they don't have um, a, a lot of these uh, people who are showing up are saying I, I just want the community of people who are also uh-huh. thinking these things asking these questions wrestling with this uh, this new understanding and I, I feel like if you don't have community the ability to withstand something as cataclysmic as reconstructing your understanding of God therefore like your view of the entire existence of humanity would be pretty overwhelming. Yeah, and and I think you know the the pros and the cons of the internet are there because you can find on the internet people who agree with almost everything you agree with your narrow slice of viewing yeah. the the world, and and they can develop echo chambers and and real self righteous kind of um, and and all while you're living, you know I'm I'm assuming that. In most cities in the world, or most even towns, there are people who probably think closely to what other people think. Yeah. You know, and if they could find each other, yeah. And this is the this is the flaw with internet relationships because you can find, like you said, the niche market of people who all have the same boxes checked on all the big issues that you care about. You know, the internet's big yeah. enough where you can do that, and people kind of uh, self-select their community based on those kind of things. But the problem is. Those aren't like real relationships. Like they're the relationships that are based upon convenience of whenever you want to interact with them. Yeah, it's not so much give and take. Thanks a lot, Al Gore. Yeah, thanks a lot, Al Gore. This is why. This is why we don't believe in climate change, right? Yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's. This is one of my my discontents with the internet is that we learn to speak in like ways that get attention, that get clicks, and that are. Um, Often yeah, yeah. volatile explanations of opinions that your group already stands behind, and so you just rally yeah. the troops. But you don't, you don't get that if you're a pastor. Like this is the difference, honestly, between being a pastor and being a blogger. Uh, obviously, I know you do both. Um, one of them pretty good. But like as a blogger, you don't have to deal with the people who disagree with you on a consistent basis. And as a pastor, I feel like your work is like, as Jesus said, like blessed are the peacemakers, for they will call you children of God, because you're bringing people together who have different opinions on these very important issues and you've got to find a way to still have community where the internet doesn't care about that it just cares about clicks and hits and who's following and liking your stuff yeah and i think it promotes as a virtue what christianity has for thousands of years called a vice which we've talked about before it's vainglory the i mean so it's very empty and it feels good what was it i was just reading or listening to the other day that was talking about how like a, an actual chemical gets released in your brain when somebody favorites or retweets oh, yeah, or yeah, likes. Yeah. Um, and so you're addicted to it, but it, you're, you chase after it, and like all idolatry, promises everything and gives nothing. Yep. Um, you know what I really like about Brian Zahn is I, I respect him. I mean, I think he, he was able to read Nicodemus that way because he saw himself doing that. Um I don't think I don't think most people realize how personally, maybe too personally, pastors take their job. 
And, you know, you heard it even in the way he was talking. He was talking about losing people that he baptized. They left church, and, and he baptized their kids. And I also really respect him because I preach in a large church that's in a small city. And I get it. When he was talking about that, I can't go to the grocery store or a restaurant without seeing somebody who used to go to church with me. Or had has sent me an angry email or, or you know, something like that. And there is a cost to um, trying to do what you think is right. Even, and, you know, sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes the angry email is right. Yeah. Um, but so there's just a cost to ministry that and him being honest about that and not trying to front. I think that's yeah. part of the charm of Brian. Yeah. He's a good one. He's a good one. Yeah. Um, side note, I do think it's ironic that I'm, uh, talking about how the internet and internet communities are terrible, um, (laughs) while I'm on a podcast that's about an internet community. Anyway, so let's just move on (laughs) from that. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about refugees, shall we? Yeah. uh, (coughs) Well, Paul, I was going to ask you the question about what you and Paul raised. Mm. I really like him, by the way. Paul, if you're listening, I really like you. I'd like to get to know you and remove the middleman. Oh, wow. Um, you just feel real good because you and Backhouse are now like buddies. Man, he's great. I like him a lot. Yeah. We've been emailing about all kinds of mocking you stuff. It's great. Yeah, it's well, great. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, has, he in, has, of, has he asked you to endorse his book? Oh. <laughs> no, he didn't, did he? Okay, go ahead. Carry on. Uh, I can't imagine why he would ask you to endorse his book. Desperation. <laughs> me look, me read book, <laughs> me think good book. <laughs> okay, what did Paul uh, say? I'm not going to introduce you to him. Uh, well, you know, we're talk- I don't remember exactly who brought it up, but you were talking about the danger of being in ministry while in seminary, and I was actually glad I was doing ministry while I was in seminary. Um, why is that? Well, I mean, it gave me like hooks to hang the information that I was learning on mm-hmm. and also better questions to ask professors. Yeah. Like, yeah, but what about this? Or, um, and it was probably harder on the people that I was ministering to mm-hmm. or with, you know, than having just, uh, you know, coming out of it Yeah, I- and having a better solidified idea of what, I was doing. But part of your thing is that you were doing ministry full time. You you were a little bit older than the average graduate student, which I think makes the experience better for you. Uh, I think it's harder once you have family and kids to try to do grad school and have a no, full. No it's way harder. Uh, but as someone who went straight through and got my MDiv right away, uh, I would say what you did is probably the better thing for your actual development. I wouldn't recommend that personally because it's just harder. But yeah, I get that. I get that being better. Yeah, well, I mean, but I also understand like what y'all are saying about how you believe something different every every week. Yeah. Um, and I, I was honestly, it was probably harder on my wife and my parents than it was because yeah. I didn't say the stupid stuff that I did to them to you know everybody else, but to mom and dad, I mean, to Leslie, I was just I would come home and be like, "What about this?" <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> which is why Leslie asks every every grad student, "Is there a devil?" I, I came. I don't know if I should. I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, one time I came home from grad school, and I was like 
first, second year grad student, taking like uh, Advent intro to Old Testament or Old Testament theology. And I was like, you know what? I don't think the story of Jonah really happened. And my wife just started <laughs> crying. Like she's literally crying. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, what? And she goes, it's not real? And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, obviously it can be real. And she's just crying. I'm like, oh. And that's when you learn to hedge your Okay. Bets. Well, maybe I should be a little bit considerate of people. And um, maybe I should, you know, next week I came home and said, you know what? Maybe a whale could have swallowed a person if they had an oxygen tank. Like, and so it's just, you can't, you can't vomit on people. My dad, my, my overly cynical attitude at one point in my life caused my dad to have this, like, preface before any comment about the work of God in his life, and he would go, now, Luke, obviously I don't know exactly how God works, but let me tell you, yeah. So I did the same thing yeah. to my, my parents and, uh, and my wife. Not proud. Hey, what, what's the joke? I'm, I'm not, not to jump ahead, but are you going to tell the joke? You said you wouldn't tell it in the last podcast, but that's what wrap-up podcasts are for. No, I'm not going to tell the joke. I'm not stupid. Okay. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was interesting. Um, all right, let's talk about refugees. What made you What made you do this this time of year? Um, that's a softball. It's a softball. Come well, on. obviously, you softball. see what's going on, but these were playing before a lot of. I mean, Aleppo was going on. Obviously, yeah. I feel like in the last week or two, the stories got a lot more attention. Uh, these were planned out. Probably two months ago. Jessica and I have been talking about doing a podcast for a while. Um, uh, you know, Ram John is someone that I've gotten to know, and I knew he would be someone I want to talk to at some point. Um, it, it was more like this is just the culmination of things I've been thinking about for months, and it finally just came to a head right now. Originally, it was supposed to be one, just one podcast. It was going to be Jessica and uh, Ruta, and then it was going to be Joel for a few minutes, and then Ram John for a few minutes, and then obviously all the conversations been a whole lot longer than that. Yeah. Well, I thought it might be because of Christmas. No, no. I mean... Jesus is a refugee. Yeah, that helped. I mean, that's the story that we're talking about right now. Yeah. And I'm glad that the, the Bible and Jesus have nothing <laughs> to do with your scheduling a podcast. Well... <laughs> I really thought I was giving you a softball. No, it was I mean, I could say that and just make a, a cute cliche, um, which I guess <laughs> I we are in your office, and that's the kind of the... The incubator yeah, for those things. things that I, um, I no, I mean regularly pump out. I am going to talk about refugees in February, and I do think that's an important point that will probably get brought up at some point. But yeah, no, it wasn't that. Man, those stories were heartbreaking. Yeah, the the one where Jessica was talking about how the coyotes would oh. throw out a baby if it was crying. That sounded like a Jewish people being smuggled during the holocaust yeah yeah would did joel tell the story on the podcast of asking the parents what they did for fun and they said we go in the field and and cry did he did they say that on the podcast i think they did um i yeah i think he said at the end but just the idea of the the kind of abject horror that people go through um yeah. I don't, sometimes it's like sensory overload. Like you just can't even take all that they're going through. And I, I don't know. I feel like that's part of the reason why you want to just keep it at arm's length so you don't really have to live into the real suffering that people are experiencing right now. 
Man, I don't know what to. I don't know what the best way in a globalized world where we're immersed. I mean, Jessica mentioned compassion fatigue. I think, and you know, shame is basically the recognition of human limitations. And so, Richard Beck's stuff about slavery of death, how like uh, the pursuit of excellence is really trying to deny death mm-hmm. because excellence is code for. Idolatry, and um, Nessie Storm is calling. Okay, <laughs> thank you, little Stormit. Yeah, guys, yeah. be quiet. Um, so I also think that's true about like the stuff that I mean, where there's so much suffering in the world, you really just have to pick some things because you're you're limited by you know how long you're alive, the 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 talents and gifts that you have, and yeah. So I want to live locally, but you know, in Ameline, there's a lot of refugees, and once you start getting involved in that, you start hearing their stories. And so, like, you remember John Jones, former yeah. preacher at the church oh, yeah. we used to work at? You yeah, know, yeah. he got punched in the face by a coyote in a Burmese refugee camp. Really? Yeah. What's it's one story? of my favorite stories. Oh, he was he the guy John Jones stood up to him. Um, and he just punched him in the face and took out a tooth. And but just hearing John talk about it, I mean, it's it's really heroic. He hmm. would leave his wife and kids for three weeks at a time because he got grandfathered into this like Burmese refugee camp, and he was working with like UNICEF and some other organizations to get them food. He told me once he couldn't see a, a dollar bill without thinking how much rice it could buy for those refugees. Hmm. And, um, I mean, I just, re- I really respect the kind of work that Jessica's doing. And, um, yeah. at, at our church, the director of IRC goes to our church and we actually have several refugees. I've actually had gotten to know a couple of refugee families. I've done like Bible studies with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple Sierra Leone, um, refugees who were um like nominally muslim and we got a community of highland people and went through the gospel of mark with them and it Hmm. i would say converted the highland people more than it did the uh even though the um several of those people came became christians yeah um it was just a real eye-opening experience for Everybody was wonderful. I mean, they get the Bible better than we did coming from West Africa. See, that's that's my struggle of, you know, you preach, I preach about the idea, you know, God's with you in suffering and that you're not alone in this and, and, you know, be grateful for whatever you have. And when you see, you know, 50, 70 people who have been displaced uh, sitting in the pews, you go, yeah, I don't know why I'm talking about this Uh because you've lived this and... It does. I, per- it gives you perspective. Yeah. I mean, like we would have, uh, we would read through the gospel just one passage at a time, and then you know, what does it make you think of? And I remember one time, Umu was like, "Well, it makes me think of the government, um, how they lined up ten men and shot them in the head, and one of those was my dad." And, you know that, and um, you know, seeing that was kind of traumatic as a seven-year-old. I'm like, "Oh my goodness." That's I I I hope my prayer request is I don't get flu the flu this season. No. And and that's what I mean when I say it converted 
a lot of people. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know if there's anything that will make you more grateful than realizing what so many people actually go through, but you don't want to turn their story just into like a tool for making you more grateful or something. I don't know I don't know how right. to step into the complexity of having like you know people in Austin if if you live in Austin you're you're doing pretty good probably yeah. and then you have refugees who are the complete opposite end of the spectrum and I don't know how to make that yeah. messy community work together it, it's it's overwhelming to me uh, and yeah. obviously people have been doing this longer than I than I have that finding ways to I think I think if if you're called into that it's it is messy it's super messy I I think um don't overthink it yeah you know what I mean like yeah. you're not you're not going to use I know you. You're not going to use them for you to feel better about yourself being so noble or whatever. Um, I mean, I think that that's a possibility. But if you get into their lives, like really get into their lives, then and not, you know, just buy Christmas presents to drop off on their apartment doorway. Mm-hmm. Um, but get to know them. You you won't do that. And I say that as an encouragement to get involved in refugee people's lives because mm-hmm. it changes the conversation. Yeah. I mean, at Highland last year, we've actually done national refugee Sunday a couple of times with, you know, American churches because it was just becoming this toxic. It became politicized in a way that was baffling to me, like how Christians could be against refugees, not immigrants, like you, you made the distinction, but refugees, people who, yeah. you know, and one of the challenges for us, honestly, I think it has got to be to be really honest with fear and who is doing it. I mean, like this German attack, this the Christmas marketplace attack, mm-hmm. it's a very well-scheduled attack by terrorists who want to persuade the the German, you know, the election that's coming up because they would love nothing more than to create war with terror. And I think Christianity has great resources to be able to respond to terrorism because we, the greatest command are the most repeated command is do not be afraid. Yeah. No, you're, you're 100% right. Uh, well, as I've been trying to figure out, okay, what does this, you know, look like going forward? I've, I've started to, to think that, you know, the response for at least for me at this point is, you know, you participate, you know, financially and then also personally, like find ways wherever you are to get connected. Um, and then also find ways to understand, like you need to be well aware of the complexity of the world and find whatever you have as something to be overwhelmingly grateful for. Um, yeah. Because it, it, if I try to do more than that, I, I feel like I get the paralysis of analysis, like where I don't do anything right. because I'm overwhelmed. But just to say, I'm going to give, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to be grateful. And that's how I can start to, to move forward with this. So, uh, And I want my kids to be around um, refugee families. I want my kids to be aware of the problems that... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I would really love for... I think one of the greatest things about my background is growing up poor and we didn't have a time. I mean, listen to the stories that you'll have. We, we did not have anything, um, comparable, but it was, if you, if looking back on it, the most formative stuff that happened was the hard stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. And I just like for my kids to have that. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's why I take them to movies that are PG-13. Hmm. Uh, and oh, that was great to be there. Um, <laughs> nothing made me feel better about my parenting than going to that movie with you. Um, I don't know, but um, it helped me out. To be clear, it was like Superman versus Batman. It wasn't like no, Eyes Wide Shut or something. I think something. it was Deadpool, actually. But <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, I don't step out for half of it because I don't let my eyes be corrupted like you do. Um, yeah. Okay, so when, uh, so when Beck was here and we preached in the sermon we posted, uh, it talked about uh, doxological praise and um, the power of singing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is just the overall spirituality of music. Like in the Church of Christ, we go, well, let's talk about the, the words of the music. And like the theology of the words that are spoken are what's most important. But I feel like sometimes we devalue the, just the, like the spirituality of music itself. And so I've been listening to, um, uh, there's a new album by a band called Jimmy Eat World, a band you might have heard of before. And I heard the, uh, uh, the, the lead singer guy, Jim, talk about how it's always he writes the music and then he adds the lyrics after that. And like Hillsong, I get the same idea. I, in the mu- I've never talked to Joe about this, but like on the movie, did you see the Hillsong movie? Do you, do you support um, <laughs> people? Uh, no, you don't. Okay, that's, that's really nice of you. Um, I guess you don't want hope to rise. Um, <laughs> but for them, it's like they write the music first and then they add the lyrics afterwards. And I think... Like, what if there's, like, a spirituality just in music itself, right? Yeah. Like, you watched Stranger Things, didn't you? Yep. I've never seen a show or uh, a movie that the scoring of the movie had more of an impact on how I experienced than that movie. Right? Yeah. Like, the music... There's been a lot of articles written about how wonderful the soundtrack was. Really? Well, you're welcome. Add this podcast to that list of growing <laughs> praise. Yeah. Um, okay. <clears throat> anyway, that was a random thought about music that I wanted to share. Share. No, I mean it, it does matter, and and part of like the thing I think we're we're rediscovering because in a modern world, um, everything was utilitarian, so there wasn't like much uh, use for aesthetics. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I mean, think about the '80s and '90s music. Um, and soundtracks, you know, just keep at, I mean, so all that to say, do you write, do you write with music in the background? Heck yeah. What do you, what do you listen to now when you're writing? Um, well, it depends. Okay. I'll, I'll just tell you, like I have a sermon writing playlist that'll play and it's got some hip hop on Such it as? and, you know, Lecrae and stuff and stuff. I don't know that band things. who's in stuff. <laughs> M&M's in it. M&M. Yeah. Is that why a lot so, of your sermons start? If you had one shot. If you had one opportunity. Because <laughs> he's everything you ever wanted. Dude, I can't think of a better... Well, that's a tangent. Never mind. But yeah, I mean, so I, I listen to that. I listen to classic when I read. Um, and then, not just hip-hop, you know. There's some other stuff. So you have like M&M, Lecrae. Salt and pepper. What do you listen to? How about that? Uh, I don't listen to anything with words when I'm writing. Okay. I, I just like explosions in the sky. That sort of like, yeah. That cigaros, however you say that band, uh, that kind of stuff. You know, the worst part is I've gotten in this weird habit of writing in my office with all the lights off, except um, 
like my screen goes green with Ever um, with Scrivener. Do you ever use that app where it just turns your yeah. Okay, so the whole screen's black except my green letters. And so literally my entire office is black. And the other day, um, it's early, and um, uh, one of the uh, people I work with, she didn't realize I was here. So she walks in. She's bringing, like, some mail in or uh, a book or something into my office. She opens it up, and there I am with, like, a candle and this weird, like, post-rock music. <laughs> and I'm standing there, staring in the dark. She goes, oh, hi. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. That's pretty creepy. <laughs> Not bad. Oh, it's creepy enough walking in your office, period, <laughs> I'm sure. Having <laughs> it like that. Is he having a seance? Yeah, that might, that might be it. But music, it, like, it, it matters. It's very, um, yeah, in, in our kind of deconstructed worldview, sometimes we think, well, it just sounds, but I think it's, there's something more going on to it. Oh, yeah, man, definitely, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, dude, I hope you have a good Christmas, man. You as well. And you're going to... Sp- what do you want for Christmas? What do I want? Yeah. I don't know. I just want love. Just a lot of love for my family. Okay. Well, then I'll mark you off my to get presents for list. <laughs> what, did you ask for stuff for Christmas this year? What did you ask for him? No. What did you ask for him? Um, no, I mean, I didn't. We're, we're really trying to get rid of stuff. Uh, we, we, so, like, what we'll do is, like, we'll go on a trip together is our Christmas Where are present you going? to our family. Um, no, I mean, like, we'll... We'll just plan it out together, like a vacation altogether. So there's no, like, you're, you're not going to have a picture of Tahiti in an envelope that you open up for Christmas. Okay. Right. Last year, we gave our kids suitcases, like really awesome luggage, because they go on trips with me. nothing says Merry Christmas to a five-year-old like a rolling suitcase. Aiden, did you like your present last year? Or Samuel, did you like your present last year? He got an awesome suit luggage that looks like an R2-D2. Do you think he liked every- that as much as he liked being called a girl by you right now? What? Do you have two kids in the office uh, right no, now? I- <laughs> yes. Oh, they're just, even uh, stepped they're out. all over the place. They're like They are, man. Insects. They are. Hmm. <laughs> I, did a, I did ask for a pair of boots because I'm going to uh, no. to Nebraska. I thought there might be some kind of wardrobe <laughs> request. There, I'm going to Nebraska in a couple weeks. <laughs> To do a re- I would love to see that conversation. Lindsay, I have to look like a cowboy. <laughs> not, that <kind> of, <laughs> not that kind of boots, but it's just going to be like, I looked at the weather and it's going to be like 12 degrees. And I'm like, I, I don't do that. I don't have, my running shoes aren't going to survive that. So we needed some boots to survive the cold. So I could so preach the gospel. In closing, yeah, that's, man, mm-hmm. gosh. In closing... Mm-hmm. Um, In closing, since since this was about refugees, I want to tell you this last Sunday I was sick and I had to preach, kind of like Michael Jordan with the flu. Couldn't sleep all night. I was just exhausted. I was so tired. And this Sunday we were doing prayers. Our prayers of the people was prayers for the nations. And um, Darren Reese, who is Jessica's what cousin? He's our director. Yeah, 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 of yeah, yeah. yeah, cousin. Um, yeah. Anyway, so he's doing prayers of the people because he's, he's our director of global ministry. And um, he stands up afterwards and he goes, Today's prayer I want to read was written by a child. And he reads my <laughs> prayer. <laughs> I was like, He didn't know you wrote that? The, no, he didn't know. He just I saw your it. handwriting and the words and thought, That's a child. I was that tired, man. What I did mean, you say? What child prays for Aleppo? Huh? <laughs> and spells it right? Are you, are you sure was, you spelled it right? 
<laughs> no. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, Jonathan. Good talking. Merry Christmas. Hey, what are you doing next month? What's up um, in January? Well, I've got some uh, live ones I'm working on. Uh, I've got a trip to Southern California for tri- uh, trips thing. And uh, I've got some possibly some pr- pretty cool stuff that we're working on for that one. And um, I've got a couple others that, that I'm not 100% sure they're going to happen, but uh, I think they should be pretty good. Okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. All right. Well, it sounds really wonderful. Well, I'm just saying I've, g- I've got a lot of, like, I've got about five or six in the oven that uh, we'll see if anyone get done by then. <laughs> okay. We'll see. All right, me and Flo, hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.